It is Wednesday, the 4th of September. I'm your host, Ryan Kier, and this is the Quantum Cast. I thought I'd clear something up before we even begin the podcast. A lot of people have been talking about the yield curve inversion, saying that there is a sign of a recession coming up. Well, let's look at the facts right now. There have been four yield curve inversions in the past, and I believe within two odd years following the year curve inversions that have been recorded, there has been a preceding recession. But from a data analyst perspective, we'd only assume that there is not enough data to say that it's guaranteed, but it is odd to us that over the past four occasions where this has occurred, there's been a 100% success rate. So this is quite a reliable metric for the people in the city. It should also, in fact, be an important metric for us as investors. But what actually is the yield curve? We're going to have a quick segment before we get into today's focus stocks. What people need to realize is that the most commonly feared inversion is when 10-year US Treasury bond yields fall under two-year bond yields, meaning that short-term bonds will yield higher than long-term bonds. Why do you even consider then putting your money in long-term bonds when there's a likelihood that you're going to lose a real value. Assume that you're getting quite a crappy rate on holding US bonds. In fact, for those who love the term real value, which basically means adjusted for inflation, if you're holding a bond that uh, gives you 3% a year and say inflation's around 2%, your real value is pretty much meaningless and it would be better off invested in, say, a diversified portfolio. And in fact, there's a lot of statistics to back that assumption up. A lot of you guys may be familiar with the term a sharp ratio, which basically accounts for risk-adjusted returns. There's a complex formula that we're not going to mention now, but you can go to sites like Investopedia to have a read of that. But uh, the sharp ratio for a non-diversified portfolio across something like 15 index samples. If you took a random one and invested your money, you'd get something like a sharp ratio of 0.4. Whereas uh, if you put your money in a diversified portfolio that includes a sample of 15 major indexes. In fact, the studies that I'm quoting now were carried out by Resolve Asset Management. They showed that that diversified portfolio would give an implied sharp ratio of 0.76, meaning that you're almost doubling your risk-adjusted returns in terms of a sharp ratio, not actually in terms of a nominal value. But it's so much more stable. And why wouldn't people diversify their assets? So even at risk of a recession, say, diversifying your assets not only act as a huge hedge and reduce your risks of exposure to a single asset, but you also increase your returns in the long run. There are many studies that can quote this. But anyways, we're going to get into today's focus stocks with Cyan Canode, Frontier Developments, Mobile Streams, Barrett Developments, and Canadian Overseas Petroleum. Today's packed with headlines, but before we get into them, please make sure that you sign up to quantumresearch.co.uk. That's our website. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at QuantumCast. So to begin today, we have Cyan Canode Holdings PLC. This company is a narrowband frequency 
mesh network business. So quite a niche firm. I remember they had a deal quite a while back with Iran, which is uh, a little bit worrying because there are a couple of trade sanctions out there. So it may be difficult for them to fulfill such orders. I, I don't know the update on that, but I remember reading an RNS from these guys about two years ago, seeing a 10 million odd pound order straight from Iran. And uh, I realized that they were trying to do a couple of deals in the Middle East as well. The only issue is if I look at the revenue for the first half of 2019, they've uh, only taken in a turnover of £1 million versus £1.3 million in half one 2018. So the company hasn't been doing better. Cyan Canode is definitely drying out its uh, customer network and its trade volume. They keep mentioning operating costs have been reduced, operating losses have been reduced, but they've still lost three million pounds in terms of operating losses. So we're not even talking net, we're talking after gross and operating, and then comes net. We haven't even mentioned the uh, other costs that can be there. If I look at a few deals they've made, nothing significant stands out. 700,000 pounds, 400,000 pounds, and we're talking orders, so that's not even net profit. I mean, a £200,000 order. Everything is simply poor. I, I wonder with this company, I hope the valuation is much lower than uh, what I'd assume it to be for a company taking in something like, let's say, £2 million in revenue per year. We can see the share price has actually collapsed ever since that period I was following it. Goodness me, 30-odd pence I remember seeing them at, then 10. And I thought, hmm, should I look back? Nope. There was no value. Now they're at 3.9 pence per share. They've collapsed. Their market cap stands at 7.1 million pounds. Still a bit of an overvaluation in our unbiased opinion. If I look at their accounts, I can see their loss before tax stands at 3 million, but they got a tax credit. So I assume they've had pre previous losses or they have government grants or something along those lines. So their actual net loss for the period stands at 2.729 million pounds. So they basically lost something that is equivalent of say a third of their market cap. Not the sweetest taste to a shareholder to say the least. I hope that their uh, net assets could probably help a little bit. Let me look, net assets of 11 million pounds. So this is one of those businesses we look at all the time, in fact. We've seen a couple. If you uh, follow the last couple of podcasts, then you'd remember we talked about companies with higher net asset values in comparison to their market caps, but they are depreciating. So a lot of that risk is priced in. So with this kind of company, Although they've got net assets of 11.5 million pounds, they have a market cap of 7 million. And as they make more losses, their net asset value depreciates, and so their market cap depreciates too. I assume it's a really illiquid stock. If I go on sites like LSE, I can see trade volume of zero on some days. I mean, if I look at the past few trades, I can see that. Uh, they had a sell of about five grand, buy of about 700 pounds, sell of about 1300 pounds, and another sell of 2600 pounds. So they're weighted on the sell side, that's for sure. And it seems any bit of volume walks the share price down. 
There isn't really anything to look forward to. But the only thing to look forward to with companies like this is, say, a future contract. If they land a huge deal with a potential client, then there's a lot of value with these guys. But that's just speculation. But to conclude our thoughts on Cyan Canode, we will look at their share price. They have 52-week lows of 3.9 pence per share, which had been achieved a week or so ago with the illiquid volume, but it's been there ever since. I mean, the spread's 3.8 to 4.3, so in reality, it's much tighter than that. It's just uh, an approximate spread being shown. When the markets are open, we'll be able to get an actual spread if anybody's interested if you're a long-term shareholder which i assume you are because you can't really trade this share but look at the chart you can trade a couple of deal rumors or whatever i mean 4.8 to 6.6 pence from june the 7th to june the 14th yeah there's some value but other than that the shares have just been dripping in fact june the 14th 2019 6.65 pence and then a drop to 5.25 on july the 8th a rise to 6.25 on July the 15th, and then you've seen July 23rd, 4.95, August 15th, 4.2. The price is just dripping and has been dripping ever since it rallied a little bit on, I assume, a rumor. I assume people were just trying to get out their shareholding, and unfortunately, a couple of unsuspecting members got stuck. So this is something that we're not really interested in following at the moment until we hear a little bit more. Maybe a bit of research could tempt us to change our mind. But at the moment, it's looking black and blue for science. Okay, so moving on to Frontier Developments PLC. This company has founded and created the game called Jurassic World. They've also come up with a couple of different franchises. They're not huge. I, I haven't heard of them at least, but uh, Jurassic World is the popular one. They made Jurassic World Evolution, and they also made their own games uh, called Elite Dangerous, which was released in 2014, and Planet Coaster in 2016. What a cool name for a game, eh? But anyways, they have mentioned that they are a world-class video game developer and publisher. I mean, to secure something like Jurassic World shows that there is some value to them. In fact, though, we're going to have a look at their market cap, £431 million as of, let's say now, the 4th of September, 2019. I've got to make sure I don't get mixed up between 2018 and 2019. I'm the kind of guy that crosses a straight line down from the 8 and puts a 9 to try and correct my mistake. But anyways, um, we can see that in the full year of 2019, the company Frontier Developments PLC has made a revenue of £89.7 million, up 162% from the full year 2018, where they only managed to get a revenue of £34.2 million. Their operating profit has absolutely jumped. Jeez. I can see in 2018 they made an operating profit of £2.8 million in 2019 for the full year they made an operating profit of 19.4 million pounds that's an increase of 593 percent goodness me i haven't seen this kind of growth since boohoo and uh, a couple other success stories in fact asos could be another one if we turn back the dial of time a little bit 
If I look at their EBITDA, it's up 209% to 29 million pounds, giving them a basic earnings per share of 45.4 pence per share, which is decent. If I look at the current share price, they're standing at 11 pounds 14. So that gives them an EPS of, hmm, something like 3% of their market valuation, which is decent. It's not amazing, not horrible either. For a company like this, it's good to see them actually making money They've got a, an increase in their net cash balance, in fact, due to an operating cash flow of about £15.4 million. That makes their net cash balance standing at £35.3 million. I guess they've had a lot of investment in R&D because their net cash balance in comparison to 2018 has only increased by about £11 million. So they're talking about a couple of games being released Nothing too special. The only problem with these kind of businesses are that if they don't release a new game, you'll only look at their revenue depreciating throughout the course of the next financial year. They've mentioned that uh, they don't expect the revenue from Frontier Publishing Initiative, one of their side businesses, to be material in the full year 2020. It seems that Planet Zoo is unlikely to drive the revenues for the year as high as those achieved by Jurassic World Evolution in 2019. So it seems that Planet Zoo just isn't popular because it's a single format PC game and Planet, in fact, Jurassic World Evolution was boosted by the release alongside the actual film of Jurassic World. And there was a lot of marketing activity surrounding it. So I can only assume that the company said that they're not going to make that much revenue in 2019. So we're not looking at growth, that's for sure, or significant growth. And I can only assume that the company will just be working on something on the side. With these kind of businesses, we can look back to Activision. When Activision first launched, these guys were trying to just work on one game being released. What did they release? Call of Duty, a game that all of us love today even though I don't have the time to play it, in my heart, it still remains. <laughs> Good old Call of Duty. COD Black Ops 2, that was the number one OG game. I used to sit down there, play zombies, close one eye because I was too scared of the yellow eyes of the uh, zombies. But we got through it in the end, so it's all good. By looking at Frontier Development PLC's shares, we can see in the past 52 weeks, they made lows of around 700 pence per share and highs of around 1400 pence per share. They made the highs first on the 1st of October 2018 and they made the preceding lows around the end of December 2018 when the markets were suffering from a correction and recession fears. In fact, I believe the indexes, or at least the FTSE 100 index that we can use as a benchmark for this argument, had fallen by around 17-18% from highs and that took their sh the, the prices of the contracts to something like 67 pounds a contract. Right now they're about 72, 73 pounds. I think we close at 72 pounds 65 a FTSE 100 contract. But uh, the company shares Frontier Development PLC or FDEV have rallied from a price of something like 866 pence on the 7th of August to £11.14 right now. So I assume there's been quite a bit of hype into these results. I mean, the shares in the past five days have rallied around 20%. 
in the past month from lows 28%. The share is quite volatile. So it is quite a good trading share, especially with wedges and breakouts. There's a bit of a resistance around the current price anyway. So I wouldn't assume that there would be a great reaction in the long term. But on the back of this RNS, it does show that they've made quite a bit of cash. So that's a positive sign. Unless they reinvest it though, it's just going to be depreciating cash. So we'll see how things go. Let's hope that they can, for the shareholders' sakes, secure a deal with a movie and make a game for them. That would be cool. Jurassic World Evolution. I just think that whole area is starting to die out. Battle Royale games is where it's at. I mean, everyone's heard of Fortnite by now. I mean, if you haven't, don't worry about it. It's just a game that your kids are probably playing if you do have kids. If you don't have kids, you've probably got a cousin. Every man and his dog is playing that game, except for the ones like us who actually don't have the time. <laughs> You've even had Battle Royale games like Apex Legends. Apex Legends was released by EA. For those who don't know what EA is, remember the old EA Sports to the game. That is EA, the one we're talking about, the massive games designer, the multinational global conglomerate. But anyways, FDev seems relatively fairly valued. If we look at the profit figures that we mentioned earlier, they are trading at a P of around 20 for the full year of 2019. Impressive stuff, but they'd be trading at a P of around 160 if we're looking at 2018's results. So the fact that the revenue from 2019 was shown to not be sustainable. I wouldn't look for this to be a mega bullish case. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the shares were down after this ONS announcement, despite the amazing figures released by the company. Okay, now moving on to Mobile Streams PLC. This company has been off the radar for quite a while. And quite surprisingly, I think we have the reason as to why they have been off the radar. They've released an RNS mentioning the proposed cancellation of admission of ordinary shares to trading on AIM, the alternative investment market, aka the UK's version of penny stocks, as the Americans would like to put it. Mobile streams have basically said that they want to re-register as a private limited company and they want to get the adoptions of new articles of association. The reason being, they don't see any point of paying these large PLC costs, which a lot of business students would be familiar with, or just anybody who knows that accounting processes are quite expensive when you're a public limited company, because you have to disclose a lot more things. Disclosure is one of the biggest problems for companies that are especially involved in research. This company, I believe, is something like a medical imaging company, similar to actually feedback PLC that we'd mentioned quite a while back. And they have mentioned that they want to avoid the PLC costs, as we said earlier, and also the cost of maintaining trading in the ordinary shares on AIM. So they don't want to do anything other than delist, become a private company. This isn't great for shareholders that want to get rid of their shares, but uh, they say that they want to put in place a matched bargain settlement facility with Bridak Limited so that can facilitate shareholders buying and selling ordinary shares on a matched bargain basis following cancellation. The only problem is 
those markets are so illiquid, even more illiquid than the shares currently, obviously before they delist, to the point where it's unlikely that you'll get a fair valuation and you'll likely be undercut by a huge margin. So not great news from Mobile Streams PLC. Okay, now moving on to BDEV, aka Barrett Developments PLC. This company is really, really popular, maybe because they're a FTSE 100 company and they have a decent bit of revenue. They've been a good dividend stock over the past couple of years. In fact, if we look at their five-year performance, they have gone from a price of 365 pence per share in 2014 September to 622 pence per share on the 3rd of September 2019, which was yesterday's closing price for the company's shares. If we look at total revenue, their revenue for the year ended the 30th of June 2019 in comparison to the 30th of June 2018 is down 2.3%. Nothing huge. Their margins up though by about 210 basis points. That takes them to 22.8% of a gross margin in comparison to 20.7% in the previous year. They've also had a higher profit from operations as a result of these better margins and thus a higher profit before tax. So even with a lower revenue, the profit is up by about 8.9%. So from 835 million in 2018 for the year ended the 30th of June there, um, to 909 million pounds at the current stage. The only issue is with a lot of these reporting figures, I, I find it weird how the markets react to old news because this is the year ended the 30th of June 2019. We are basically blind as to what has been happening in the past three months. When the results are given, there could be a positive or a negative reaction, but it is likely a lot of the time that these results are priced in because maybe somebody would know or it just would be predictable from a basic model. I mean, I look at the company's net cash. This is something you probably wouldn't be able to predict. The net cash is down 3.2% to £765 million. Pounds. So that's in comparison to £791 million pounds in the corresponding period. I assume this is just a simple cash flow process of the business where the money is probably being invested at this point in the year and there could be a couple of inflows coming in later on after the stated accounting period. There's nothing serious with that that we can look at. But having a look at the basic figures, this is a decent report from the company. And I think it's really, really positive personally too. They are calling this another outstanding year for a company with a decent sized market cap of 6.3 billion pounds a year profit before tax of around 909 million pounds is decent if we just assume say 800 to be safe they're on a p of around 89 which is fine i mean for a decent dividend stock one that uh, has been performing well in a tough environment they seem to be fairly valued and I can see some upside with this kind of company. I just wonder what the valuation of peers are because there aren't many guys around like these dudes. Unfortunately, one of the main reasons has been because the sector is really difficult to operate in. We've seen the demise of Carillion PLC. We've seen the demise of Interserve, just a couple of peers. Those were mid cap guys though. I mean, 
I could maybe mention Hammersmith, but Hammersmith hasn't been doing well in the past year. They're down about 50% from where they began. Uh, in fact, they were 450 pence per share. Now they're about 229. So it's basically a 50% slashing of the shares. But Barrett Developments in the past year is up around 16% from its start price on the 4th of September 2018 of 535 pence per share to 622 now. But there's been a lot of volatility. We're not going to really look at December 2018 because that was just as a result of a lot of uh, geopolitical stuff, macroeconomic trade tensions and, and just a correction in the market. So they have a correlation and a decent beta to the markets, especially the FTSE 100 of which they're listed in. So this company is an outperformer on good performance, but uh, an un, well, an, even an outperformer on bad performance, but in a sense that they will lose less than the index most of the time. I mean, the indexes were down about 17%, they lost about 14 so it's not that bad. In fact, actually, that's 13%, forgive me there. If we look at the recovery, they recovered by about 13, uh, 30%, sorry, 30 to 35% of a rally after that December correction, which is much better than the markets. You can see that uh, they did about two times the market's recovery, but uh, fell just under 0.9 times in comparison, which is decent for this kind of company. And finally, to conclude this extended version of the Quantium cast, we're going to cover Canadian Overseas Petroleum, other known as ticker symbol COPL, C-O-P-L. This is a company that has just placed in recent years. They've said that we've got a Nigerian asset that's going to make a lot of money for us. And no surprise, they've just wanted to mention today that they are admitting trading on the main market. It's a good bit of news, at least, considering that they were listed on AIM, not the greatest place to be listed on. But as we've seen with companies in the past like HNR, Highlands Natural Resources, being listed on the main market doesn't make you vulnerable to manipulation and also incessant selling, which uh, can deteriorate a company's share price. I can only assume that these guys are going to list at something like, um, whatever the price is now, 0.09 pence per share, but they're gonna have a consolidation so that they'll be able to place again in the future. Following the likes of Hydrodeck Group PLC, that company had had a consolidation from I think under a couple of pence to just higher, and then their shares have crashed ever since. So on a drop of something like 50% in the market cap value, they have managed to dilute shareholders by around 80 to 90%, which is horrible. Imagine thinking, the company's worth only 50% less than what I bought it at. Why am I down 90%? Because you got diluted to the brim by a horrible management. That's what's happening. It's a brutal thing to accept. It's happened in the past. I used to hold shares in Extract Resources run by Colin Bird, who's involved in a couple of other things like Jangada Mines PLC. And I remember waking up one morning, seeing my shareholding diluted by 40%. and thinking, it's the same market cap it has had for a long time. Why am I getting done over by these consolidation. Well, it's not the sweetest thing to uh, take in. But anyways, getting back to Canadian Overseas Petroleum, they're issuing 500 million shares at the price that I mentioned, something like 0.09 million, uh, 0.09 pence per share, or even free in this case, because they're actually listing. But they've issued 5 million broker warrants at a price of 0.15 pence. So there is an incentive for 
those brokers to have the price or maintain the price at a higher level. The brokers obviously don't move the price, but if they have clients wanting to sell, they'll just tell them, look, uh, don't sell your shares out yet because they can see liquidity drying up and say buy volume going to the upside, a lot of strength on the buy side, as we'd like to look at. And we can only assume that they're going to try and get the prices up to 0.15 pence with a little bit of a ramptastic surprise and then dump their shares. And people will be saying, why are the shares falling when this is great news? Well, five million warrants have just been exercised. And I bet you there are a lot of people who have been involved in previous placings trying to get up. So this is not a great company, but we must mention that they are pursuing opportunities in Nigeria and sub-Saharan Af Africa, not Africa, goodness me, uh, forgive me there, bit tired, 7.36 and we're about to uh, begin the first day of college for the year, looking forward to that stuff, but uh, nevertheless the company's shares are traded on the Canadian TSX exchange, the ticker symbol there is XOP, which could be a decent indicator of price action on COPL, I believe their markets open before ours do in a sense of when there's closed they likely dictate the opening price for copl if there's a rumor or something pushing the price up but uh, on the lse they're obviously listed as copl the ceo mr arthur milholland president and ceo in fact has signed this off and i remember this guy's done quite a couple quite a few interviews with uh uh, Vox and proactive investors talking about the company's prospects. They had a an agreement with something someone like Shell, I believe, but uh, that didn't go through. They had a bit of cash from that, and I believe just there hasn't been any progress ever since. In terms of the company shares, at least, we're not really gonna care about the noise in the meantime. I can look at the company's 52-week performance. They had highs around 0.32 and lows of around 0.09, which were the current closing price. In the past five years, uh, they've had literally just a drip from 2017, where they made highs at around 1.5 pence on something regarding, I think it was Shell or just a major partner they had. They have literally fallen 94% ever since. And it has been a constant set of depreciation i mean the gradient has just held constant i mean we're gonna have to call this gradient a crap gradient because they are not doing that well and i mean i'm frankly in a crap mood after seeing that chart and remembering my extract position and i don't have a super malt to celebrate but anyways that wraps up today's episode of the quantum cast i've been your host ryan Keir, and i hope that everybody has an absolutely wonderful trading day and also week ahead we've got something like three days left if we include today wednesday thursday friday we had uh, american markets closing a little bit earlier a couple of days ago i don't remember why but that had us the opportunity to rest a little bit I'm ready for college to begin I just can't be bothered to travel two hours I travel quite a lot but uh, i hope all of you have a wonderful day i've been your host ryan Keir. until next time